Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. I don't know when it happened for you, but it happened for me in September of 1989. I was a freshman in college at the University of North Alabama, a long way from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I got saved. I had been raised in and around the Christian church, but here's what I had to learn. Being around Christianity and being a Christian are not the same thing. And it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that the gospel gripped a hold of my life. I'd reached an end, and I knelt down beside my bed there in Florence, Alabama, and I surrendered the control of my life to Jesus, and I got saved. I know every one of you here that are a follower of Jesus, you have a story like that. When you remember coming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in response to hearing the gospel and you surrendered your life and you got saved. We had 107 people that did that last weekend in our six Easter services. And last weekend when we came together, we looked at a passage of scripture out of the second chapter of the book of Acts. Go ahead and turn back there if you got your Bible with you this morning, Acts chapter 2. And if you remember what we read last weekend was the first time that the the resurrection of Jesus Christ was proclaimed publicly by the church. It's the very first time it was preached. We read the story of Peter standing up in Jerusalem and gave the first public proclamation of the the truth that Jesus had died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he'd been raised again from the dead. Now, what I want to do is I want to jump back to that passage of Scripture and let's read what happened next, all right? So we're going to pick it up, the story, in verse 37. Let's look what it says. Now, when they heard this, what did they hear? They'd heard Peter proclaim the gospel. They'd heard Peter give this testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how it was their sin that had put Jesus on the cross. The Bible says when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do. And Peter said to them, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now jump down to verse 41. It says, so then those who had received his word were baptized And that day there were added about, get this, 3,000 souls. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there on that day, huh? 
He gets up, preaches the gospel, and three, we're pretty pumped, about 107 people last weekend, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and were born again into a relationship with God. What a testimony. And then the Bible says, immediately after that, they did something else. They got baptized. They got baptized. Why was this thing of baptism such a big deal? I mean, if you think about it, it's a little bit weird, right? I mean, you get in water, they put you under the water, they bring you up out of the water. That's kind of strange. Why was baptism a big deal. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning because we're celebrating so many people being baptized today. I want us to have a clear understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I want to give this to you in three statements why baptism is a big deal. Here's the first one. Baptism testifies that I got saved. That's what baptism does. It presents a testimony that I've given my life to Jesus. Look back at verse 41. He said, so then those who had received his word. That's already done. It's describing a completed action. They'd already received his word, and now they're being baptized. The Bible is describing people who had fully embraced the message that Peter had proclaimed, that Jesus came as God in the flesh, that Jesus took sin on himself, your sin and my sin, and that Jesus died on a cross for our sin, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead as a testimony that had accepted his sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says these people fully embraced that. And then they were baptized. Here's what that means. These people were not being baptized to begin a relationship with Jesus. They were being baptized to publicly declare they had already embraced the message of Jesus and surrendered their lives to him. The best illustration I've ever heard about baptism is one I've shared here many times, but, but I want to be sure everybody has heard this. We have so many new people. When you see this ring on my left hand, what kind of ring is that? It's a wedding ring, right? Now, that tells you something about me. It tells you that I'm what? Mary. What this ring does <coughs> excuse me, is it gives a public testimony about a relationship that exists in my life. Now, I can take this ring off. And I can put it right here on the pulpit. Does that make me single? No. A single person could take this ring and put it on. Does that make them married? No, because this is just a what? It's a symbol. And it's a symbol that only has meaning and significance when it's representing a real tangible relationship in my life. But because I've committed my life to my wife, I now wear this. And this says I've committed my life to my wife and I am not ashamed of it. Now, what if I went home this afternoon and said, Christy, I love you and you know that I love you. But here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take my wedding ring and put it in the drawer. And I don't want to wear that out in public anymore. How do you think that would go over at my house, right? Not very well. Matter of fact, it wouldn't go over so well that last year my wife had this idea. She had us both go, and we had Smitty tattoo on our fingers, our wedding anniversary date. So it's right there. Even if I take the ring off, it's still there. 
But, but that wouldn't go over well. Why? It wouldn't go over well because we're not to be ashamed of that relationship. I should be willing to publicly testify about this love. You know what baptism, you know what happened this morning? We had 36 people at 9 o'clock. We're going to have more people do it at this service. They're going to get in that water, and they are going to put their wedding ring on spiritually. And they are going to say, I have given my life to Jesus Christ, and I am not ashamed of it. It's a public testimony about a real relationship that exists in our lives. Let me give you the second, or let me give you a definition. Here's what baptism is. It's a public celebration testifying that I am a Jesus follower. That's what we're going to do out here today. There are going to be some people that give a public testimony. I want the world to know that I've given my life to Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. Here's the second thing, reason that baptism is a big deal. Baptism teaches how I got saved. It not only is a testimony that I got saved, it teaches others how I got saved. Baptism is a beautiful picture of what is contained in the gospel. When when these people here on this day got saved, the Bible tells us that there were three parts to how they got saved. And here's the reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been saved, you have experienced all three of these parts. Let me show them to you. First of all, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they heard the gospel. That's the first thing that happens. Nobody ever gets saved. Nobody ever becomes a follower of Jesus until they first hear the gospel. Now, you may have heard the gospel in a different way. Maybe you heard the gospel in a church service like this. Maybe you heard the gospel from a neighbor who shared the gospel with you, like Lori in her story on the video. Maybe you heard the gospel watching Billy Graham on television. Maybe you heard the gospel in a small group in somebody's home. Maybe somebody at your job, your workplace. Maybe you heard the gospel from your parents as you were growing up. But here's the reality. If you are a follower of Jesus today, at some point in your life, you heard the good news. If you agree with that say amen now here's the hidden question in that and we don't have time to dig into this but who's hearing the gospel in Las Vegas because of you there's not going to be a single person in Las Vegas ever get saved until they first hear the gospel that is our responsibility to take the gospel to the city to the community to the neighborhood to the school to the workplace where we are it's our they heard the gospel that's our responsibility. But then there's a second part to this, and this is, this is God's part. Only God can do this. Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. So they heard the gospel, but then they were pierced to the heart. That word pierced in the Greek language is a word that literally means to stab. And what it's describing is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit was given to bring conviction. Here's what happens. We hear the gospel. How many of you heard the gospel many times before you became a Christian? Let me see your hand for a second. That's what I thought. Look around the room. What made the difference on the day you got saved? 
Let me tell you what made the difference. The Holy Spirit of God moved in conviction on your heart. I'd heard the gospel hundreds of times before I was born again into a relationship with God. But on that day, on that particular moment, the Spirit of God did a work of conviction in my heart that showed me that I'd sinned against God. And the only hope I had of salvation was in the finished work of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. So that the only thing I could do was run to Jesus Christ. These people People were pierced to the heart, and only the Spirit of God can do that. But then there's the response of the person that's heard the gospel and sensed the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Look what it says next in verse 38. He said to them, repent. Repent. So they heard the gospel. They sensed the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God that showed them their need for salvation. But then they had to repent And believe in the gospel. The word repent is a word that literally means a change of heart or mind. When it's used in this context, it means a change of heart of mind about sin that abandons it and embraces God. It's a turning of the heart from sin to God, to Jesus And all that he accomplishes. That's what repentance is. So every person that's ever been saved, they heard the gospel. They sensed the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Moving them from within, piercing their heart. And they responded to the gospel by turning from their sin and embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, You may be reading these verses and thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's one more thing he says here in verse 38. Look at verse 38 again. He said, Peter said to them, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Pastor, I mean, you're the pastor, but I'm just reading it. Doesn't it say there that? You got to not only repent, but that you got to be baptized in order to be saved. That in order to experience forgiveness of your sins, don't you have to also be baptized? Isn't that why baptism is a big deal? Well, let's unpack that for a minute. He said, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That little word for in the Greek language is a word that can be used in two very different ways. For example, it can mean for for the purpose of. And if that's what it means, then what he's saying here is that you need to be baptized for the purpose of being saved. But it can also mean for on the basis of. Be baptized today because you have been saved. I know what you're thinking. Now, why would the Greeks have a word that could mean two very different things? Well, before you get so down on the Greeks, have you studied the English language lately? (laughs) As a matter of fact, we use the word for in exactly the same way. You might say, he went to Starbucks for coffee. If you use the word for like that, he went to Starbucks for the purpose of obtaining coffee. Or we could say, 
he went to prison for stealing coffee at Starbucks. Now, he went to prison for stealing. Now, he didn't go to prison to steal. He went to prison because he had stolen. So we use the word for exactly the same way. Then how do you know which one it means? Then you always have to look at the context. And here's a biblical principle for you as you study the Bible. Always when you come to a passage of Scripture and you go, I don't know if I understand what that means. Always let the rest of Scripture interpret Scripture. The best interpretation of Scripture is to understand Scripture within the rest of Scripture. Well, what does the rest of Scripture say about this? Well, the rest of Scripture would show us that obviously here, Peter is not saying you have to be baptized in order to be saved. He's saying you you be baptized because you have been saved. Let me show you why it can't be the first of those options. Because if he was meaning the first of those options, that is inconsistent with the rest of Peter's preaching. As a matter of fact, Peter is going to preach this same sermon three more times in the book of Acts. And he never mentions baptism again. Let me show it to you. He preaches it in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Look what he says. Therefore, when he got to the end of the sermon, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Never mentions baptism. In Acts chapter 5, he teaches it again. Look what he says in verse 31. He said, he is the one, talking about Jesus, whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Again, no mention of baptism. He preaches it again in Acts chapter 10. Look at verse 43. He said, of him, Jesus... All the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Peter preached this same message three more times, and he never draws a link to say, now, don't you think if baptism was essential to salvation, Peter wouldn't have left it out of all his other sermons? He only mentions it here in this day. So it would be inconsistent with the rest of his preaching to interpret it that way. Secondly, it would be inconsistent with the rest of the New Testament to teach it that way. There are a couple of verses I want to show you that are really the, they're the defining verses that everybody goes to when they're talking about the gospel. Let me show you one of them. You know this verse, John 3, 16. Look what it says. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever what? Believes in him and is baptized. Wait, wait. wait a minute, that's not in there. You do know that this verse is Jesus himself answering the question. Nicodemus looked at him and he said, Jesus, how can I be born again? And in response to that question, Jesus summarized all of the teaching of the New Testament about the gospel in one sentence. And Jesus never mentioned baptism. Let me show you another verse. The great theologian, Paul. Most of our theology today we understand from the writings of Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul in Romans chapter 8 gives this defining statement. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord and be baptized. No. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. 
It'd be inconsistent with the rest of the teaching of the... Here's another one. It would be inconsistent with the ministry of Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. But did you notice? We never have one instance in the Bible of Jesus ever baptizing anybody. There's not one. Wouldn't you think if baptism is essential to salvation and you are the one that was sent to seek and to save that which was lost, every time Jesus showed up, there'd be a pool of water and a line of people? And we don't have one single instance in the entire gospel record of Jesus ever baptizing anybody. So what do we learn from this? Here's what we learn. Baptism doesn't save me. There's nothing holy about the water we're about to use. We don't have a pipeline running to Jerusalem drawing this water, all right? You can take a cup of this water and throw it on a vampire and ain't nothing going to happen, all right? There's not anything special about this water. Nothing. It's the same water coming out of your faucet and your kitchen at your house. Same water. Baptism doesn't save me. There's nothing supernatural or spiritual about the experience itself. It does not bring salvation. That was totally accomplished through the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when I turned from my sin and embraced Jesus, I was born again into a relationship with God. Then why is baptism a big deal? Because baptism shows a picture of how we got saved. Let me, let me show you. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 6. Look what it says. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Here's what happened. We're going to go out there in a minute, and there's some people that have been born again. They've been saved out of darkness into life, and we're going to take them in that water, and the first thing we're going to do, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put them down under the water. You know why we're doing that? It's a picture that they have died with Christ. That all of our, listen, when Jesus died, all of your sins in the past, all of your sins in the present, all of your sins in the future, every sin in my life, when Jesus died and was buried, he died for my sin. But we don't leave them underwater. We bring them up out of the why? Because Jesus didn't just die. He rose again from the dead. So that now you and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. What is the newness of life? It's Christ in me. Here's the reality of the gospel. His death is my death, but his life is now my life. Every person that follows Christ in baptism today is giving that glorious testimony that I was buried with Christ but been raised to walk in newness of life. One more thing. Here's the third one. Look at this. Baptism is the first step of obedience after I got saved. Go back to verse number 41. Look at it. So then... Those who had received his word were baptized. Look at it. And 
that day. That day. It's a demonstrative pronoun in the Greek language. It means he's saying that very day they were baptized and added about 3,000 souls. There are a lot of people who come to know Christ and say, I'm going I'm to pray about that baptism thing. Listen, can I, can I encourage you today? You don't have to pray about what's already in the Bible. Because if you pray, you know what he's going to tell you? Read the book. It's already in the book. Read the book. These people embrace Jesus Christ. And to embrace Jesus means that I'm receiving him as the Lord of my life. And lordship implies that now I'm pursuing him by following him. And the first command that he gives us after receiving him is to publicly put on that spiritual wedding ring and declare to the world that I am a follower of Jesus. So you know what today is? Today is that day. It's that day for a whole lot of you. Now, maybe you didn't come here today thinking it was that day for you, but it's that day for you. Today, a lot of you are going to be baptized. Do you hear me? Today, a lot of you are going to be baptized. Because you're going to respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, now there are two groups of people here today who do not need to be baptized. Let me tell you who they are. These two groups of people, if you're one of these two groups, you do not, say that word out loud, not. Say not. If you're in one of these two groups, you do not need to be baptized today. Here's the first group. People who do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need baptism. You need Jesus. You don't need religion. You need relationship. You don't need ritual. You need a Savior. Listen, baptism will not save you. Baptism apart from Jesus is just a cheap bath. You can get baptized enough time that you're as wrinkled as a California raisin. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. If you don't know Jesus today, what you need is not baptism. You need Jesus. And we would love to introduce you to Jesus today. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you do not need to be baptized. Here's the second group. People who have already been baptized... According to the teaching of Jesus. If you've already been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus, you do not need to be baptized. Baptism is not something we do over and over and over again. Baptism is not one of those things you do, well, I need a spiritual pick-me-up, so I'm going to get baptized again. No, that is not what baptism is. It's not what it is. Jesus gave us another practice called the Lord's Supper or communion. That practice is to be repeated over and over again as an opportunity for us to examine ourselves, to look at our relationship with God, to, to cleanse, to, to make things right with God and with each other. But that's, baptism is a once-for-all public defining moment that makes this declaration, I've given my life to Jesus. But there are three components that make it baptism according to the teaching of Jesus. Let me give them to you. Here's the first one. It's after salvation. 
after salvation. I understand that in a church like Hope, we have a lot of people that have come from other church backgrounds. And when you start talking about baptism, there are a lot of churches that that practice baptism differently, and I'm not here to debate that today. That's not what we're doing today. I know some people baptize infants or young children. Uh, I'm not here to debate any of that today. Here's what I'm here to tell you. At Hope, we only have one rule of faith and practice, and that's the Bible. That's it. Whatever the denomination says, the tradition of the church says, doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? And if you study the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, there is only one baptism ever practiced, and it's baptism of believers, people who have already come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So baptism after salvation, after salvation. Secondly, by immersion. By immersion. What does that mean? It's taking that literally, the word baptize, which means to immerse, to dip, or to plunge. It means down in the water, up out of the water. A lot of, again, other churches, some sprinkle, some pour, some do a lot of other things, but here's what you got to understand. For the first 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus, there was only one method of baptism. It was baptism by immersion. Because of extenuating circumstances where there was a lack of water or health conditions, people began to use some other means like pouring or sprinkling. And over time, because of ease of accessibility, that crept in to be the normal way churches baptized. But it was not the, the, the New Testament intent, nor was it the New Testament church practice. And so at Hope, we believe it needs to be, if it's going to be according to the teachings of Jesus, after salvation, and unless something hinders it, by immersion. Then here's the third piece. In fellowship with a community of believers. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are not practices given to the individual Christian. They are practices given to the New Testament local church. They're to be used in celebration together in community as the church. That's why in verse 41 it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Well, what were they added to? Because they'd already been added to the family of God. They were born again the minute they put their faith in Jesus. What did they get added to in baptism? Here's what they got added to. They got added to the public community of believers, the family of Jesus, which was the local New Testament church. This is a big deal in other parts of the world. It's a big deal. When you make that identification, that this is now my family. These are my people. I used to belong here, but now I belong here. So it's after salvation, by immersion, in fellowship with a community of believers. So here's the point. Get this. If you are not in those two groups today, you need to be baptized. If you're not in those two groups, today you need to be baptized. You say, well, I didn't come prepared to be baptized. I didn't bring any clothes. I don't have anything to change into. I didn't bring my hair products, my deodorant. Hey, we went to Walmart and we bought all that. I'm serious. We got shorts and shirts and all kinds of sizes. We have hair products, we got deodorant, we got towels, we got everything you need. Well, 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 I, I, I'm going to have to go home and pray about this. Listen, you don't have to pray about what's already in the book. All you have to do is simply obey. 
Just obey. We got some of our brothers and sisters here who are going to get ready to be baptized. I know this story. Listen, this is an awesome story. Let me tell you what this story is right here. That's Pastor Martin Hagani. Those are seven. Don't, don't anybody else go with them yet, but that's seven. That's seven brothers and sisters in Christ who've come to Christ out of Islam and are going to be baptized today as a public testimony that they are now followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So today is that day. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the Holy Spirit of God is beginning to speak to you, I want to challenge you to respond. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have not been baptized after salvation by immersion in fellowship with the church, today you need to be be baptized. Now, for some of you, you've come to know Christ in the last few weeks or the last few months and you're a brand new Christian. Others of you have got my story. I came to know Christ when I was a freshman in college, but I'd heard the gospel. Matter of fact, when I was eight years old, I could answer all the questions. I got baptized when I was eight years old. So after I came to know Christ as a freshman in college for several years, here was my testimony. Yeah, I got saved and baptized when I was eight, but, but I really made Jesus Lord when I was a freshman in college. The problem is you don't get him as Savior at one point and Lord at another point. He comes in as Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He, you surrender to him and receive him as Lord and Savior. And here's what that created in my heart. For four years, I had incredible doubt because I'd always tell that story, but I knew that I'd never met God until I was a freshman in college. And I was already pastoring a church, and I had to stand up in front of our church one day and say, you know what I realized? I've never been baptized after salvation by immersion in fellowship with the church. So as your pastor today, I'm going to invite one of our other pastors to go and baptize me. Because, and let me tell you what it did. I have never sent. From that moment forward, God gave me an assurance of my relationship with him. And it has radically changed my life and given me freedom that I want everybody to experience. So some of you, you got saved years ago. But you've never followed Jesus in baptism since you've been saved. Today, you need to be baptized. Here's what we're about to do. We're about to sing a song of worship. While we're singing this song of worship, if you don't know Jesus today, we're going to have some pastors down here at the front. We invite you to come to one of these pastors and say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. But if you already know Jesus and you know, hey, today I need to be baptized, we don't want you to come this way. We want you to go that way. When we start singing, out in both lobbies, we have some of our Next Steps volunteers. They have a big lanyard on that says Next Steps on it, and they're waiting to meet you. All you got to do is go back there to one of them and say, I need to be baptized. And they're going to have a brief conversation with you about your relationship with Christ. Then they're going to get you whatever you need, clothes, hair products, shorts, whatever it is. They're going to get it for you, and then we're going to celebrate baptism. So if that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, others of you... If you just need to pray with a pastor, we're going to be here. While our worship team is leading, you can come. If you've got something in your job, your health, your family, we'd be honored to pray with you and for you. You just come. We'll be here. We'd love to pray for you. But while we're doing this, those of you that need to be saved, <coughs> come to one of these pastors. Those of you that need to be baptized, you're going to go that way out into the lobby. And let me just tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God is not a water faucet that you turn on and off to deal with when you're ready. If the Spirit of God is convicting you that today you need to be baptized. Let me tell you something. Today, you need to follow him in baptism. Today is that day. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning.
Lord, that you would speak. Father, I pray first of all for those that are here that don't know Jesus. God, that they would come today and give their life to Christ. Lord, I pray for those that do know Jesus but have yet to be baptized. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of getting to baptize them today. Lord, may they respond. Lord, you know how much I love this day. I don't, a lot of times on our weekends, because of multiple services, don't get to do a lot of the baptizing. But this day, I get to go and get in the water with them. Lord, get to do the baptizing. So God, I, I thank you for this privilege that I get today to personally be involved in baptizing all of these followers that have given their lives to you. Lord, may they respond to you. Jesus, move in this moment. Holy Spirit of God. Before I say amen, if he's speaking to you, as soon as we stand, listen, you don't wait on anybody else. If you need to be saved, you just come this way. If you need to be baptized, you go to that lobby. And I'll meet you out there in the water in just a few moments. Father, move in this moment in Jesus' name.